Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, fellas? Welcome back to Convos Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. I am so excited for this episode because it's with two of my favorite people in the running world. There are two coaches that are also like in the trail running scene, ultra running scene, but they train anyone from like professionals to road racers to ultras, like just a variety of things. But we share a very similar mindset on what running is and what running is supposed to be like and how it's supposed to be enjoyable and make you a happier person. So I'm so excited for today's episode and all of you guys to listen. Just a little update to the podcast. Honestly, I am so grateful for you guys. This year, this podcast has kind of taken off and it's like one of the biggest things I'm focusing on right now, which is so awesome. I never really expected it to take off this much. Honestly, I just love to be consistent with something and put out good content for you guys. And I'm excited that you guys love it too. And you listen every week and stuff. So really appreciate you all. We also are over 900 reviews on Apple Podcasts right now, which is pretty sweet. And I love reading you guys' reviews. We're also at like almost a perfect five-star rating, which is awesome as well, because that just means so much to me. I mean, if you're watching on YouTube right now, like my apartment is literally a disaster. I think it was a disaster last week too. But I don't know, I just worked like a full day at my nine to five and ran at 6.30 a.m. And now I'm like spending hours editing this podcast. So it just means so much to me when I see your guys' positive reviews on Apple Podcasts because it truly helps keep me going just because I am working so much right now. But it's it's such a priority in my life. I honestly just love doing it and sharing this sort of content with you guys. So I'm glad that you love it and you're showing me that on Apple Podcasts. It means the world. Also, just a little mental health update. I know I've talked pretty generally about my mental health journey. I mean, I've talked about body image and stuff, but just like in general, I feel like I haven't really talked very much about it, but I am like going to therapy as probably everyone knows now because I post on all my platforms that I'm going to therapy. We even talk a little bit about mental health in this episode, but... I just kind of want to check in, let you guys know that I'm doing a lot better, which is kind of crazy because I feel like it's, I just haven't been feeling like myself over the past probably five years. And that might sound kind of drastic to people, but I just like never really took the time to actually help myself. And now that I'm actually taking measurable steps and also just spending money on my mental health, I think it's really important for me right now. And I truly feel the changes. So yeah, I'm, I'm just really looking forward to 2022 because now that I'm like working towards the best mindset I've been in in literal multiple years, the, the world just seems a lot clearer and things just seem more attainable and I'm excited to just go after these goals in 2022 with this podcast and beyond like potentially actually racing again because I know that's something <laughs> because I know I've talked about it years and years and years and I'm just like really excited to keep working towards these goals that I have and I am just grateful that everyone continues to follow along because I know I've been very vague and everything and a lot of people just have unanswered questions probably or maybe not maybe you're just like what are you talking about can you get into the episode now <laughs> and um yes but before we get started just want to talk about one of my favorite sponsors ever honestly i love inside tracker and they're sponsoring today's podcast i have been working with inside tracker for almost a full year now and let me tell you right now if you're like a data oriented person or you're just someone that likes to kind of cater their life to feeling good and feeling better and doing things in your own power to work on feeling better. I think Inside Tracker is the perfect tool. When you do what you love, like running, like racing, like enjoying the great outdoors, you want to do it for life. And that is where Inside Tracker can step in. They were founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics using their patented algorithm Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what is going on inside you and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. I actually just got my blood drawn last week and I finally got my results back. It's been a couple months since I got my blood drawn and let me tell you, we got some eye-opening results. My vitamin D is still low somehow, which is something I really need to work on and I I have been taking my vitamin D supplement more lately, but honestly, just seeing that it went down a little bit, I really need to make sure to take it every day. And 
vitamin D just affects you in so many different ways, like physical health, mental health, everything. So I know it's really important for me to actually get that into the optimized level. Just things like that. And Inside Tracker has given me a set plan and everything. Like I'm eating more flaxseed now, taking my vitamin D every day, making sure I get in probiotics, just a lot of different things, an individualized plan for me. They track the progress every day and every step of the way towards reaching your performance goals and living a happier, longer, healthier life. And right now you can actually get 28% off the entire Inside Tracker store. All you have to do is go to insidetracker.com slash Emma. That is 28% off. I recommend the ultimate test, which is what I got done. Oh, I also got the inner age test done and it said my inner age was 18 and I'm 25. So that means I'm doing well on that front. Also, my cortisol levels were really high again, which is uh, a bad sign, but that's because I probably work too much and I just like to stress myself out with work. Anyway, so we gotta make sure that's optimized. Anyways, go to insidetracker.com slash Emma and you can get 28% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Now let's get into today's episode with David and Megan. Okay, David and Sorry, Megan, I, just... I am excited to have you on. Two of the most well-spoken coaches I think I've ever, I mean, I've never talked to you in person, but I have heard a lot on your podcast. So I'm excited to, to have you guys share some insight to my listeners on my podcast now. So the tables have been turned. So I'm excited to have you on. Thank yes. you so much. We're pumped. David told me we were doing a podcast today and he gave me no details about the podcast recording. And then he was like, we're doing it with Emma Abramson. And I was like, <laughs> this is so cool. So you have like rapidly elevated my day. So thank you for that. It's like a surprise party <laughs> over here for Megan. We're so freaking hyped. We love everything you do and can't wait for this. Yes. Okay. Well, I guess just uh, to give a little background on you, do you guys just want to talk about what you do, who you coach? What is your vibe? <laughs> our vibe I, i'd say our vibe is dog treats uh chic no i'm <laughs> no uh so we megan is the star of the family she no. is well can i describe you okay sure then i'll describe you she's like <laughs> the most brilliant woman human uh creature in the world um we're even counting like dolphins and aliens in this point um, False. <laughs> but she's md from stanford um phd candidate in epidemiology researches in the running field one of the best coaches in the world uh, has won five national championships herself in trail running. Um, just the most remarkable human that's I've ever met. Oh, thank you. I will add to that a voracious cookie eater. So, uh, <laughs> and trying to, I actually just got diagnosed with a little bit of a health issue. So baking cookies is going to be my new jam. So I'm super pumped, really feeling the cookie energy right now. I'll introduce David. So David, as you can see, like the nicest person in the world. When I first met David, I was like, I don't know if this guy is real. Like <laughs> how can someone actually be this nice? So I thought it was fake. And then like two years in, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is not fake. This is continued on for two years. No, no. No, 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 I'm just playing the long game. <laughs> I am I'm gonna make that heel turn at year 20 and you're gonna get oh damn. Yeah, too far idea. in. That was some Daniel Day Lewis style character work. So now, yeah, now we're more than 10 years in and it's definitely real. So nicest guy ever. Awesome coach. I mean, I tell people he's just like has a way of working magic with athletes, primarily trail athletes, but also roadrunners, um, triathletes, OCR athletes. Um, and then is an environmental lawyer. So on the side does some environmental law work. I love, I mean, he's the type of person like David can read something and just synthesize it immediately. And so I feel like I get all these like wisdom gains just by diffusion. So it's a pretty fun, I, I feel like dinner tables with David are, are fun. <laughs> a lot of good conversations probably. Yeah. And then together we have the some work all play team and we're just like, it's such an honor to get to work with, you know, a bunch of amazing athletes from people that are, you know, post-collegiate or um, even in college to top professional runners and things like that. So it's such a joy to get to work together on this uh, wild journey. Yeah. How long have you guys been coaching for? And also like, how did you get into it? So it was a roundabout path. I mean, it was never the idea. So I, actually our background is a little bit interesting in terms of that. So I went to college to play football. Actually, I was like a really, I was a much bigger guy. It wasn't a good football score or anything, but um, running was never something that I necessarily like just took for granted, or at least understood the principles intuitively. Like I didn't run since I was a kid and figure that out as I went. So then after I quit football, got into running, 
And then uh, later on met Megan, who was a field hockey player at Duke. And we kind of traversed this journey together. Um, and a few years in, I think 2012, 2013 or so, um, realized, you know, I think this would be a really cool thing to help other people traverse too. So it started out not thinking, oh, we're going to coach like professional athletes and things like that. Um, it started out just being like, this is such a fun, cool sport and thing we can do and hopefully be able to help people. And it kind of, you know, took off from there very rapidly and has been one of the most exciting journeys. David started coaching first and then I started coaching my mom and sister and it was a a fun way to kind of get into the sport. And I encourage people out there who are looking to get into coaching. It's like coach someone you love or coach a best friend. And it's kind of a nice way to like get, get, I don't know, just get a feel for what coaching feels like. Yeah. With not a lot of pressure, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. I feel like there might be more pressure actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, your mom gets a stress fracture week one. <laughs> it's going to be a tough Christmas. Yeah. Well, that's like very interesting. I mean, going from football and field hockey to becoming, were you like just into trail running immediately? Because that's like a very huge jump for both. So for me, it took time. I mean, I just wanted some sort of athletic outlet and um, always was intrigued by endurance sports. And did the normal thing where I was like, oh, I'm going to road run. And then I'm going to do what I distinctly remember, though, is just how hard running was um, at first (laughs) in every step of that journey. And so like my own personal journey ended up being really instructive for what our coaching ended up being. Like we focus so much on play and fun and adventure, even for professional athletes that use it to put food on the table, because it's like gosh, the, if, if the sport is distilled down to something, it isn't, which like at its core, what running is, is this, you know, this mix of the highest highs and the lowest lows all expressed through your body. But if it's distilled down into like just pure numbers, it eats personal, a person alive immediately. Um, so yeah, that transition process took me time to learn and I know it took Megan time to learn too. And so it's been really fun. I had a kind of similar journey. So I played college field hockey and then took a fifth year. I knew I loved running. Like I got so excited. I was that one person on the team where it was wind sprint day. And I was like, oh yeah, this is like (laughs) dopamine time. I'm real pumped. And my teammates were like, oh, she's annoying. That's weird. So I decided to walk onto the track team and it was a like fundamentally different type of culture going from playing field hockey to going to a track team. And with that, my eyes were opened. I, I developed like disordered eating in that process. And it was just a kind of a culture shock. I, I love track. I loved running, but after college, I was like, no more running in circles. Like I just, I felt like to me, the trails were calling and I just needed more of that, like that fun, playful element of running and trails felt like kind of that natural, natural drive for me. Yeah. Everyone that I talked about trail running, I personally have not tried it or at all. And I am, I mean, I was like a miler in college, so I definitely was not, I wouldn't say I was meant for the trails, but everyone just talks about how fun it is and like how much different, different of an atmosphere it is, because it's just, like you said, I mean, it's just kind of a culture shock going into that competitive track and field world. It's just so incredibly different. So that is what intrigues me about the trail running atmosphere is that it's probably just so different than what I know in the competitive (laughs) track world. I want to jump in and try to convince you is that (laughs) milers, middle distance runners, things like that actually often make the greatest trail runners. A good example might be um, athlete we coach, one of our best friends, also an amazing coach himself, Matt Daniels, who's a sub four miler from his time in college and has come into trails and been one of the top in the world and was fourth at Western States 100 and things like that. And my theory for why that is and how we kind of structure some of our training is that athletes that have some more faster twitch tendencies, a little bit uh, greater proportion of type two muscle fibers, the mix of terrain and stimuli can actually be extremely beneficial. So where a faster twitch athlete might struggle sometimes, let's say in a road marathon, um, especially one like Chicago, that's repetitive motion, they go to trails where the, the, um, stresses vary and it, with some smart training, you can get it so that the same thing that might be a little bit of a curse with long road races becomes a great benefit, um, and a super secret superpower on trails. So planting that seed for now, let's let it grow into a, a beautiful <laughs> tree in the future. We yeah, I need to think about that one. Just won the Xterra, um, world championships and trail. And she does a lot of steeplechase racing on the track and has been able to combine the boat both in a really beautiful way. But before this podcast, I told David, I was like, I bet you we can convince Emma. Like, I feel like you <laughs> would what every it. trail runner does. They're like, you would love it. I'm like, I don't know, guys. I fall every time I do a trail run. So <laughs> 
I don't know. I like, I mean, it just kind of scares me. I think the distance and the hills and the terrain just frightens me because I just, I have really bad knee lift. So I think I'm just kind of traumatized from the amount of times I've fallen, but I've also never like trained for trail running at all. I mean, I usually am the one to avoid it. Like my teammates in college would go up the hills to like do a harder trail run. I'm like, I'm going on pre-trail. I'm running flat. Like <laughs> I don't sign me up for that. Um, but maybe if I like tried something or like actually uh, like tried to race or train for something, it would be more, more fun I guess, yeah. for me. Well, so for my personal experience, I didn't quite get it really until I just randomly did a 10 K trail race. That was like in Philadelphia in Wissahickon park in Philadelphia. And I remember at that point, every road race I had done, I was like, I remember a period of like two thirds through where I was like, I kind of want to quit right now. Like, I, I don't know if this is for me. I kind of uh, need to drop out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was the, I was the, uh, absolute king of being like, of contemplating dropping out mid race. And, but while I was doing this random 10 K trail race, I was like, this is actively fun in the moment. Um, likely for a lot of the same reasons you might like perceive just, um, imagining your journey as a slightly faster Twitch athlete. So, I mean, football wise, I was a sprinter and I think the mix of strain, especially at that early stage in my running career, allowed me to actively enjoy what I was doing while I was going really hard. So, um, I think there's a lot of potential there that you should really consider. And anyone listening that's kind of at a stale point, it's a great jumping off point. And it doesn't necessarily, like we have had a lot of athletes OTQ that are also trail athletes. Like you can do both in a really uplifting way. I think for me too, I was always afraid to run downhills. I'm like, there's so much like technicality involved. It feels so fast. And then my first trail race, I forgot all about that. And as soon as I like felt competitive out there, I actually burned off the bottoms of both my feet <laughs> because I ran the downhills so hard and it just felt natural. I mean, it was, I didn't even realize that was happening until like the last mile of the race. And so I feel like too, if you put yourself in competitive situations, you just, kind of like lose like it just becomes like soul running and you don't even think about it good good way to convince her megan you're gonna burn off both <laughs> yeah, of your I feet. burn the bottoms of my feet off please and not have any idea it's happening so no um there's there's a little bit of that um but i also think that like in that uncertainty in that vulnerability is a great opportunity to learn and that's not just trails that's like running in general and one of the things we really try to embrace in coaching is like it's not about success though success is kind of a laid on top of the hill that we are pursuing. Um, it's about the vulnerability in that journey along the way and sharing that as much as you can. Um, and I think that's what makes the running community so special at its core, even if we're not thinking about it, is that everyone has been through the shit. And, um, you know, the more we can share the shit that we're going through in a really open way, uh, the more we can lift others up and ourselves up in that process. Yeah, that is so true. I mean, for me, like coming out of college, I just like, I can't imagine stepping on the track again. Like I can't imagine just lacing up the spikes to run an all out mile again. That just kind of stresses me out. So now it's like, you're, I'm kind of at this point, which probably a lot of people listening to are, it's like, maybe they're graduating from college or they're like going to graduate from college. And it's just kind of like their running journey. They don't know where they go with it. So I think it is important to like step into something that you're uncomfortable with. That's just like not familiar. It's so easy to go back to the familiar though. It's like, it's like what I know and everything, but I think it is really important to kind of get out of your comfort zone and like be vulnerable, try something new. Um, and then also like, I mean, like you're talking about just enjoying the process and sharing it with people. I feel like it's so important which can also be difficult. I mean, after college, like I'm sure you have a lot of athletes that have to train alone and everything, I guess, how do you approach that aspect and like making them feel like they're a part of something else? Yeah. That post-collegiate journey can be really challenging. I know I actually took a full summer off doing nothing after college. I just, I felt like my body between field hockey and track was just pretty burnt out and needed that hard reset. Um, and then after a couple of months off, I came back with this like fiery intensity, but that intensity for the first time was also layered with more of these elements of play. And that was something that was rewarding to me because it was like, it just felt more sustainable because I felt like if I had continued like college me, I was going to burn out. Like, I mean, I had burnt out, but I was going to burn out again, like quite rapidly. Um, I think like for me, I do a lot of my runs solo music is huge. <laughs> like I get out there and I'm like max volume rapping out there and it's great. Um, so that's been helpful. I think just trying to like connect with nature too. Like I love, we're here in Boulder, so we're lucky. So a lot of the runs are beautiful. Um, and then running with my dog too, something really special. I feel like watching her cover ground, I kind of forget that I'm even moving. So do you want to do any of that max volume rapping for the audience? Uh, no, that's, that's <laughs> just something that's like done in private because only the coyotes out here have 
yeah, on the abandoned trail. Yeah, Yeah, the coyotes are like, her neck, her back, her, (laughs) oh, (laughs) not going to finish finish that lyric. (laughs) Those coyotes are like scandalized by Kia lyrics over here. Um, No, I, you know, I think the post-collegiate journey is actually a fascinating metaphor for any athlete, no matter where they're at. So, you know, for those that might not have gone through that path, often what happens, I mean, if you've read anything about college running, you get a feel. It's a little bit of a meat grinder. Even, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, yeah. based on, yep. um, <laughs> unfortunately, it wasn't a joke even, you know, not even based on the specific programs. Those specific programs can be caustic and nasty. Even good programs, to a certain extent, you're thrown in this place where it's like you can get distilled down to times, you know, conference championships, competing with like your visions of what you're capable of versus the idea that there's only one national champion in each event each year. Um, And it can lead people to these spirals of self-judgment that I think we're all especially prone to in that stage of our lives, um, but really prone to anytime. And so the question is, what happens next? And that's where we always just really try to ground athletes in the process, the day-to-day of what we're doing. So like, how can we make it fun each day? Um, even the, even the crap days, because, you know, running for anyone that talks about it openly is full of so many crap days where you just don't feel good. And it's not necessarily like the exact sensation you would choose in the same way that like eating cinnamon toast crunch (laughs) is a sensation I would choose anytime. Um, so music is a great thing, but mostly just like embracing that play itself isn't valid end goal. Um, whether that's like airplane arms enforcing it or like, doing a Kipchoge laugh and smile each mile, even if it's a little bit forced, um, you know, and embracing both the, the good things and the like kind of shitty things about that process. And so the way we do that as coaches is try to check in with every athlete every day and let them know that they're not alone. Even if it's something as simple as woohoo, you're doing great. Um, <laughs> because like, you know, those, those little, the little idea that you aren't in this alone, I think can be the tailwind that helps just keep you on the path and not, you know, get burnt out as soon as like the idealized version of running runs into the reality that those Instagram posts aren't showing people shitting in the woods. (laughs) That is so true. And I feel like, I mean, after college, it all has to come from like your like intrinsic motivation to do it. I mean, in college, it's just kind of given to you where it's like, okay, you have these four years and you have to accomplish this. Like, I mean, the goals are handed to you. And then after college, it's like, okay, why really am I doing this? And then, I mean, you have a lot of people probably that are burnt out from the college athletic system. Like you said, it just is kind of like a meat grinder that tries to get the most out of you in the four years. And then you're left being like, okay, now that I don't have an NCAA championship to win, what do I do? So I guess, how do you deal with athletes that um, deal with like, have dealt with burnout or maybe come to you and are trying to like find the passion again? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is truly understanding that running doesn't have to hurt. Running is not a breakdown sport. I think so much of what young people are taught is that running is like things like, God forbid, what the University of Oregon did with their terrible power to weight ratios that are scientifically atrocious, (laughs) scientifically atrocious, in addition to being um, bad for people's psychology, Um, or that running needs to hurt to be the type of thing that will lead to long term progress, which is also um, not how physiology works. Um, So in doing that, it's like embodying that easy running should essentially feel not that much different than walking and walking never is, is very rarely something that is like painful and dreaded. Um, similarly, speed work doesn't need to be the type of thing where you finish your last rep and to channel, I think it's an old Prefontaine quote, like after you finish your last rep, if someone held a gun to your head and said, <laughs> do another rep, you'd say, shoot me. It's like, no, actually you stopped like 25 minutes before that. Um, that it's all about that sustainable flow. Um, and then mixing in a lot of things like strides and speed play and all of these other elements that essentially make it so that the physical sensations of running can actually be pleasurable and feedback into a new psychology about running where it's not, you know, formed based on these associations that make sense that if running does hurt really bad, of course, you're going to end up burning out and hating it eventually. Um, instead, like at long-term growth, and there's a lot of fascinating recent studies on this, doesn't come from those types of sessions at all. That like, that rings the juice out right away. Um, What happens when you're talking long-term, you want the more sustainable sessions, the sustainable approach to training um, that really then builds up over time. 
I think the other thing too unique about the NCAA system is the idea that you're competing constantly. You know, you have cross country, you have indoor track, you have outdoor track, and there's NCAA championships and, and conference championships at every single one of those seasons. And for me, that was quite different coming from field hockey where you had one season and then, you know, you kind of had this diversity throughout the year. And so what I tell athletes too, is it's just about like mixing it up and giving yourself that chance post-collegiately not to have something on the calendar every single month and to really just find the joy and the play in the training, just as David was saying. And you can do that without having to have this like constant goal right in front of your face. And really just learning to love running for the heck of it. Yeah, I think that's so important. I mean, that's why I love your guys' philosophy. Like it really is all about the enjoyment of the sport. And I feel like that just does get lost a lot of the time in competitive athletics, like whether it be even be high school or like college and especially post-grad. I mean, if people are, once the money gets involved, like it can turn even worse in that sense. So I think just bringing it back to like the joy of it and finding the playful aspects of the sport that is running, I think is just so important to find. And it's just, I feel like it's kind of refreshing to see that um, element of it in the post-grad world. Cause I feel like a lot of it is based on money and is based on times and breaking records and doing all this, but like the most successful runners I know are the ones that enjoy it the most. So yeah. I think that's such an important point. And I actually was just going to say the same thing too, is, is I think like paradoxically, like once you take that almost not necessarily like a more laid back approach, but working to find that joy, I've actually seen an athletes like, like immediate performance boosts and really that connection between like outlook and mindset and performance is so inspiring. And I think we are seeing that a little bit at the NCAA program, like anecdotally. And again, this is like from the outside, I think there's been some awesome NCAA programs that are focusing on more of this stuff and really seeing a performance results. And I hope that continues to get highlighted. And even for athletes who are looking to get recruited at programs, like these are great questions to ask is like, what is your framework like for like the daily process? What do you help? Like, how do you help runners develop in the long term, not just for these like four years in college. Yeah. And like if so, what I'm thinking specifically of is a Strava file, let's say. So like someone posts a Strava their run, but the same thing goes for workouts that you might have in your college program or whatever. Um, those numbers are cool. But if what I would be really fascinated by is if there was an honest Strava file for mental health status um, <laughs> that goes with it. And um that's where coaching really showed us. So none of this was a fully formed idea when we started, like we were just starting much in the way anyone would start anything new. It's like not knowing what you don't know. And checking with athletes every day saw that these journeys under the surface really are ubiquitous. And at least at that time, people were not talking about it at all, that these mental health journeys and the struggles and the highs and the lows are shared by almost everyone. And some of the really hard shit um, is like part of the running journey too, even if it doesn't necessarily feel like it's connected. So, um, you know, what I really want athletes to do is think about, okay, how is this supporting my mental health? And also how can I be just as serious, serious and purposeful and playful about my mental health as I am about my physical health, about my running, about all of this? Um, because there is no, um, actual differentiation in how our body interprets the stresses, like all of the stress is the same, whether it's from a mile or something else. And, um, if we can incorporate all of that, we can, it's not just helping people with happiness. It's also helping them achieve their biggest dreams, including things like shoe contracts and world championships and big, you know, audacious goals. Like that's coming from the same place because to layer, to ever achieve those really, truly in, incredible goals, you need to stack up these bricks over years. And like, you you're not going to stack up bricks on a faulty foundation. Yeah, that is so true. And I think Honestly, I didn't even realize the importance of mental health, I think, until after college. Like, I just, I honestly didn't even really know about it, and it wasn't really brought up to us at all. I mean, and like you said, in college, it's bam, 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 like every season after each other. Like, you don't really even have time to think about it as like, okay, I need to work on my mental health, like while I'm traveling for this race and focusing on this season. Like, I don't know, it, it just wasn't a huge part of my college experience. And now I look back, I'm like, I wish I started working on my mental health way earlier because my performances would have been way better. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been going to the start line, like already so unconfident. Cause I don't like the way I look in my uniform. Like if I had worked on all of these issues that I had, my performance would have been so much better. And I, but it's just like, I don't know. I feel like it just wasn't really promoted in college, but like you said, I think programs are like starting to, I guess, see more importance of mental health and like actually working on it throughout the year. And especially like in younger athletes, just kind of like getting ahead of it before it becomes, you know, the thing that causes them to burn out, like it did for me, basically. Um, 
Yeah. I just think it's so important. And like, I just started to go to therapy because I was like, I, I don't know. I, since after college, I was like, just kind of figuring out where, what I want to do with my running. And like, I felt burnt out, but then I also like, I kind of feel like I've recovered from burnout, but I also haven't really dive like I haven't really assessed or like helped myself mentally of like getting back into running and I still have a lot of like mental barriers and then once I'm like starting to go to therapy now I'm like okay I think this is like the biggest step for me to be able to get actually back into running because if I'm not if I'm training and everything but my mind's not there and like I still have these barriers it's going to be so hard for me to accomplish anything I want to accomplish so yeah that was a really long-winded little rant but I just think mental health is like so important I wish I did it five years earlier so I love that so much. And I love that you're bringing up therapy. Actually, I think one of the biggest things that we focus on on coaches is trying to get as many of our athletes as possible to go to therapy. Like, and seriously, everyone, because it's like being able to talk about life, like whatever it is in life. For some people that might be depression or anxiety, or some people might just be like relationships with running or relationships or career things. It's so helpful and so valuable. And I think people are recognizing that more and more. And especially at like the collegiate level, you think about how many resources there are, like so many PTs, so many different resources, but usually only like one mental health professional and really hoping I'm seeing a lot of schools starting to change that and think about that a little bit more and hoping that's something that we go into more in the future is, is like, how do we increase access to therapists and how do we reduce stigma about going to therapy? Because therapy is like truly magical and awesome. And I'm so glad Emma that you brought that up. Pardon the interruption here, fellas, but we have to talk about one of my favorite sponsors of the podcast, which is Gooder. I am obsessed with Gooder. As you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, I have like five different boxes that I switch from um, in between different sunglasses. They're a fairly new to the podcast brand, but one that I've been wearing for years. They're $25 active sunglasses for anyone. They're fun, affordable, lightweight. Some people may say that they're the best sunglasses ever invented, and I would definitely have to agree with that. I seriously wear them every single time I go running, and it gets really sunny here in San Diego, so you just always have to have a pair of sunglasses or else the sun can get in the way. Currently, I am rocking with the Cells House by Van model, and they fit my face very well, and I absolutely love them. I've been wearing them all the time. They're like a, a beautiful green color, and they work so well on the bike and running and just lifestyle. I also love the fact that they're 25 bucks because I am known to lose sunglasses, honestly. I'm not the best keeper of them. I don't really do a good job of keeping track. So the fact that they're $25, even cheaper with my discount code cold brew, you don't feel guilty buying multiple pairs. And also if you happen to lose one, you can easily replace them. This is also the perfect holiday gift. I know a couple of you guys have already ordered some gooder sunglasses for the holidays, which is literally the perfect holiday gift or stocking stuffer or something for any runner, any athlete, or just someone that likes fun, fashionable, and functional sunglasses that everyone can afford. If you wanna support me and the show, get a few pairs for you and your friends. Now is the perfect time because you can get 15% off with my code coldbrew at gooder.com. It's all linked in the show notes. It's 15% off plus free shipping with the code coldbrew at g-o-o-d-r.com. Look good, run gooder. Now let's get back into today's episode. I feel like because I was in college and I was in this environment, it's almost like do it yourself. Like you can fix it yourself. I don't know. I've just always been an independent person of like not really wanting to ask for help. And especially being on a team like, you know, Oregon, it was like, I don't want to be an extra burden. And I didn't want to like be talking about these issues to my coaches when I'm like, okay, just like get it together. Like you can fix it yourself. You can like figure it out or whatever. And I feel like I just held on that for, I held on to that for so long. And then I, it got me through college and I was like, fine. But I think once like I got out of college, I was like, okay, I have so many problems and I like, need to figure them out. But I don't know. Yeah. I I'm, I'm sure things are changing now and I think it's a lot better, but I just think it's so important, but it's also hard to get past the stigma of like what, it, what therapy is and everything. Yeah. I mean, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And it's so important for, so for anyone listening, like get nothing else from this. If you don't see a therapist, see a therapist, like it's great. Um, but beyond that, like the main goal of all of this stuff, whether it's running or therapy or whatever, often is to reach like this abstract notion of self-acceptance or at least striving towards self-acceptance. And I think that that can almost seem hooey. Like what does this actually entail? And essentially it means just knowing you are enough, not because you achieve something, but just because you are like you exist. And, um, you know, that's especially important for runners because it's so easy to pin our self-acceptance, our self-worth on external validation, results, shoe contracts. I mean, it, it runs the gamut and it never ends, no matter where an athlete reaches. The gold medalist 
often is as depressed the next day about that. If they haven't already taken the self-acceptance journey, you know, that your best will never be enough unless it's always enough. And I think that the running, the approach to training, the approach to running, the approach to evaluating yourself and analyzing your progress and all of this needs to feed back into that self-acceptance narrative. Um, so, you know, it's not a question of like, oh, I need to go win a race or whatever. It's like, yeah, that's cool if it happens. Um, but it's about like the journey you're taking to get there. So, yeah. um, and that's a decision that's made every day in training and having a support system that can help you with that, I think is key for absolutely everyone. Like Megan's made the biggest difference for me on my own journey and just being that constant force to remind me of that. And, um, but you know, we all need to step up and do it for ourselves too. And that's where things like therapy come in. I think the other thing too, about that self-acceptance is the idea that like running inherently has so many challenges. Like people are going to get injured. Like if you have a long running career, it's going to be by definition, a roller coaster for like 99% of runners. And so like, in order to actually be able to weather that storm, that self-acceptance has to be at the core because otherwise it's going to be this like massive, really challenging life roller coaster. And I feel like I've seen that personally, I've seen that with athletes I coach and it's it's been something I think that like working through that and thinking about that framework has been pretty fundamental. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you guys hit the nail on the head, like being just accepting where you are and where you're at and just, just not overstressing it and making it more complicated than it needs to be. And just doing it for yourself, I feel like is so important. And then also, like you said, having the support system, I think is also really important. And I'm sure that's why like all these professional runners have coaches. I mean, I'm sure they know everything, like uh, most things about training and everything. And if people could do it themselves, they would, but I feel like people need other people to kind of lean on, um, to give them that extra boost or extra belief in themselves that they can do things. Um, but I guess how, like you guys as coaches, how do you instill, I guess, belief into athletes that they can accomplish their goals or do more than they even think that they can. So we love the, the framework around shooting your shot. Um, so it's this whole idea of, I, I actually even like the visualization of like a basketball player that comes up and just launches from 35 feet. So like way beyond the three point line and just like, you know, poses and it's like going in and like total air ball. It's like, that's exactly the type of mindset. We also want to encourage all the time. It's like playful self-confidence that can then distribute through someone's entire life, life where you're taking risks and putting yourself out there thinking and, and expecting it all to, you know, succeed or work out, even knowing that maybe not always the percentages are going to be in your favor. Um, because the point isn't whether the shot actually goes in, it's just taking the shot and doing it over and over and over again. So, um, you know, in addition to running, like, so like with running, we'll say we have absolutely nothing to lose this race, this workout, whatever it is, is purely a celebration, the celebration mindset, um, not, not the test. Um, but then, you know, applying that to everything. So yeah, we've had athletes that have really good races, but I'm just as proud with an athlete quits their job and tries something that they've actually dreamed of doing, or, um, you know, whatever that path is that really embodies taking a chance on yourself. Um, not because you're going to succeed at that, taking that chance, but because that's where you actually learn and grow in life. And I think the two other points to add on to that too, are the idea that in order to do that, we check in with every athlete every day, because it creates this like shared dialogue that we are there to support them. Like we have their back through everything in life. And I feel like for some athletes, for many athletes, that's a superpower for them and something that some athletes haven't experienced before. And then I think layered on top of that is the idea of radical honesty. So being super honest with athletes that way, when we tell them like, Hey, it is your chance to step up and shoot that shot. Or like you are ready to go PR that they understand that that's coming with like a hundred percent honesty and belief and like, you know, developing that throughout the relationship is pretty, pretty clutch to just like being able to establish that. But I mean, to, to actually give words to that too, we'll say in an email or a text message to an athlete that's about to step up in the biggest race that could change their lives, like financially, everything else, just be like, I don't give a fuck how your race goes. Yeah. Like, like, you know, wildly, uh, maybe counterintuitive things like that, just to, as this constant reminder that like, Yes, that self-judgment monster that uh, is lurking over our shoulder at all times. And we have to constantly, like consciously push it away. Um, and that, that that monster that a lot of young people especially convince ourselves is helping us, you know, is pushing us to our best, is actually probably holding us back. It's like, we're going to give our all, we're going to put ourselves out there. What matters a lot more than, you know, saying like, I'm going to put grit through it and all that is how you feel about yourself the next day. Because if you feel good about it and you layer that in on, you know, 
years and years and years, you're going to achieve what you're capable of with your background, with your genetics, with your circumstances, all of this, um, and taking off the constraints that we're putting on ourselves with, you know, self judgment is, is so key. And, you know, we're saying this, like we both experience this personally as athletes too. This isn't saying like we're beyond it or anything. Mm-hmm. Like we're still at that, uh, still in that journey in our own lives. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, everyone goes through the self-criticism or like puts pressure on themselves to accomplish a certain thing when they step over the starting line. Like, uh, but I think it is good to have someone on your shoulder being like, it doesn't really matter how you do in this race. It's like, you just, it's getting to the sole purpose of what running is, especially after college is like, you're doing this for fun, even though there might be finances online or it can change your life or whatever. At the end of the day, just go out there and like, give it your best. And it just, I mean, it is counterintuitive to what a lot of like things for me, like in college, I mean, I wasn't going to the starting line. Like no one was telling me, I don't, it doesn't matter what you do in this race. It was like, um, yeah, you guys got to win pac 12s or I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, I just think that is really important. And again, I think it like athletes put so much pressure on themselves to do well. Anyways, they don't need someone else in their ear telling them how much pressure they have on their shoulders right before they get up to the starting line, you know? So I think that is really important. Yeah. It's, I mean, I've always put, I've been this sort of person. I put so much pressure on myself, like wildly so much pressure and meeting David was really, I mean, he was the first person that was like, Oh, I love you unconditionally. Like, I don't care if you DNF and like, actually I have DNF some races and I've seen that. And I feel like both like the words and the actions just have meant a lot to me as like an athlete and human. Yeah. I think part of the problem is that some of the narratives, like, let's say like Michael Jordan or Tyra Woods or whatever, like if you watch these documentaries, there's this single-minded focus and like almost killer mentality um, that can be elevated as a virtue. Um, And yeah, maybe that worked in moderation for them though, you know, who knows about their mental health, but what about all the scattered eggshells of all the eggs that broke when they were thrown against that wall, which would probably be, if you're talking about Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods, tens of thousands. But even if you're talking about the running world, you know, maybe one in 20 people at a program that, like truly churns out its athletes will actually get out of that with like fantastic mental health and they don't have anything to, to really grow from. Um, and social media can be a huge contributor to that. Um, and I think we all know intuitively that it's not the full story, but it's especially important in running to like remind ourselves of that much like, you know, the run can be shitting in the woods, uh, rather than that beautiful Instagram photo where you're <laughs> midair. Um, that's what life is too. And it, and it's probably a good thing, right? Like we would, shouldn't share every, deep, dark secret we have on social media. But I think even knowing that a lot of us can, it's, it's easy to project uh, other people's journeys into our own and yeah. think it's something that's not. And that's, I wish for one day I could give, like, or even for like a second, people a window into like our brains, for example, and <laughs> what we have seen from athletes. Because I think if you did and saw like what people were truly going through behind the scenes just a little bit, you'd have so much like infinite compassion for yourself. Uh, because you're like, oh shit, this is okay. We're all in this together. There yeah. is no like uh, happily ever after uh, beyond the journey toward happiness that we're all on. I was gonna say, yeah. I would love to like write a book of just anonymous quotes from training <laughs> logs, just to let everyone know that they're like all, we're all in this together. And that's even like, we coach athletes who are just getting into running. And then we coach some top professional athletes and the journeys are actually quite similar. And I feel like the more that we can like empathize with each other on this, the better. Yeah, and that speed isn't a virtue. Like, yeah. yes, we love, the act of chasing that long-term potential as a way to structure this process and find self-love. But like, if that equates to a 16 minute 5k or a 46 minute 5k, <laughs> both are equally fucking awesome. And, uh, both have pretty much the same long-term bearing on one's like existence anyway. Um, and understanding that context, I think is super cool. Gives, makes running this thing where you can come down and shoot that shot and pose for it not really get, you know, understanding that you wanted to go in, but it's okay if it doesn't. Um, and then also put yourself out there in other things in life and just like keep taking those courageous leaps, not because you know where you're going to fall, but specifically because you don't know where it's going to end up. Yeah. I'm so curious. Do you have anyone in like the running world that you think embodies like the perfect, I guess, running mentality? I, Mm, that's a great question. I actually don't. Well, off the top of my mind, I've loved what Lauren Fleshman has done over the years with one being really open about her mental health journey and that it's not just like rainbows and unicorns and she's done it already. Um, I I think the way she's gone through that is amazing. And then uh, in terms of athletes we coach, uh, similarly, um, I love 
like one of our best friends is Amelia Boone, um, who is, you know, she's gone through so much in her life and the whole time she's like put herself out there in this really courageous and vulnerable way. And, um, yeah. So if you've ever seen like Amelia's posts online, mm-hmm. get, knowing her extremely personally behind the scenes, know like she is a hundred percent the real deal in the coolest way. And like, I know in my own journey, I've been given a lot of uh, strength by that. I think for me, the biggest thing that I look for and Amelia embodies this a hundred percent is the idea of like fearless authenticity. So Amelia, like so fearlessly authentic and same with Lauren Fleshman. And then also recognizing too, like when you have to have these like boundaries and barriers with social media and like being able to be like fearlessly authentic and awesome, and then still hold those like boundaries and boundaries and barriers for your own mental health. Yeah. Yeah, And so one more that I'm going to throw out there in the short running world from we coach is, um, Claire Gallagher. Um, we're actually going to have dinner with her tonight and we're already looking forward to it because it's like, we're going to feel so good about existence after. <laughs> yeah. it. Um, but for, for those that might not be in the trail running world, she's one of the best ever. She's won Western States. She's won a bunch of big European races. Um, but in that process, uh, and so 2017, she toes the line at Western States for the first time. Um, she's young. I think she's in her mid twenties, but it's her first like really big international race. And she's running in third at mile 90 when all of a sudden this knee pain comes out of nowhere to the point that it basically makes it so that she can't even walk. She was trying to crawl at one point I heard. And so she had to drop out when she was in the midst of the race of her life. And like what happens after that, you know, because she's so unformed and so full of potential at that point. But like this is about as bad as it can get for an athlete. And, um, you know. To, to summarize the story very rapidly, the way Claire responded outside of like some initial tears and like the processing process and all that is she got to the point where she was like, okay, I'm not doing this to win races. I'm doing this to try to like uplift people to do environmental advocacy, to you know embody these bigger principles about the type of person I wanna be and running as an outlet for that. And in 2019, she came back and ran one of the best races ever and won. Um, and you know, the race doesn't, the story doesn't end there. 2021, she goes back and falls on her the same knee and has to do a vision quest to the finish and finishes like uh, way, way behind where she could. Um, so the story continues. But I think the fact that Claire's story does continue and it's so, you know, full of these ups and downs and all she does is says, stays true to like what she wants to be and how she wants to lift people up. That to me is everything. Yeah. That, I mean, that is so awesome. I need to like get into the trail running world more. Cause there's so many good stories like that, or just like, I, so I feel like so much more happens, honestly, in like the trail running world and in these races and everyone just has, I feel like a bigger purpose, honestly. And I feel like, I mean, I love people in like the competitive running world. Obviously that's like what I'm in, but I feel like people really run with purpose. Cause you kind of have to, when you're running a hundred miles. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I love stories like that. Um, okay. That's well, a I great point. With, yeah. I love, I, that. I, don't, I love that point. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Yeah. I don't want to take too much of your time. And we have like some listener questions that I want to go through just to make sure to tap into people who ask you guys questions. Um, so we can get into some of those. Okay. Um, what would you say, like what qualities make the best athlete? Ooh, that's a great question. Buns of steel. <laughs> yeah. no, um, actually the opposite. Any type of bun is great. Um, no, I, I think it's this ability to withstand, um, and adapt to the low points. Um, and so like, you know, if we're talking specifically about psychology of it, like being an athlete in any context is all about failure, both emotionally and physically, like injury is a constant presence in any athlete's life. And, uh, the vagaries with which, how the body performs is going to be there always. And so, um, how an athlete responds to failure and if failure can actually be reframed into something that is equally worthy of celebration. Um, and a good example might be I had an athlete that was racing CIM yesterday and she was in shape for like a two thirty four thirty or so. Um, and just anonymously didn't have her best day. And, you know, she obviously is going to have to go through some tough times, but 
or the first thing she was, she said is like, okay, learning, I'm learning. Yeah. Um, and she was immediately able to reframe that. And like all of this stuff, this open curiosity to learning, I think becomes super key. Well, I was going to say resilience, curiosity, and adaptability. So you, you basically nailed all those. High five. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got a lot of questions on injuries too. And you just talked about, I mean, that's something that every single runner goes through. I have yet to meet like a runner that hasn't gone through an injury. Uh, how do you deal with injured athletes? Like if someone comes to you, they're like, uh, I'm hurting. What do you do? So first it's not your fault, right? Yeah. Like injuries have one, the things we do in running are freaking remarkable. If you actually think about what they entail and don't distill an eight mile run into like a number, but actually think of it as like these 10,000 steps over buried terrain and blah, blah, blah. Um, that's hard. But two, it's to get to the core of supporting overall health. Um, and the main thing that we think of first is energy availability. So eating enough always is extra key. Um, that if, I mean, essentially, um, being undershooting fueling, even within day cycles can cause increased cortisol, increased bake breakdown. Um, and essentially you're, you're starting a ticking time bomb. It might not always blow up, but eventually it will. Um, and so that element becomes key. And then thinking overall about like the framework for adaptation in a life, because injury is one side of like the adaptation, uh, spectrum. So like, that's the non-adaptation part of it. Um, but there's a lot of other ways to increase adaptation from fueling to, you know, sleep to even things like taking your easy runs easier and not pushing yourself too hard on your workouts and all these other elements that really emphasize underscore that every training session is not designed to break you down so you can build back up. It's just designed to build you back up. And then I think two other small points are just the idea of like working mental health and physical health in tandem, because oftentimes when physical health is impacted, mental health is impacted and also vice versa too. So really thinking about and emphasizing that relationship there too. And then also just getting into the idea that like running is not someone's cool, like only identity and working in that time to really think about like, you know, an athlete holistically and just kind of work all those principles together. So actually it might be a little instructive. I mean, if you got a lot of questions on that. Like Megan just said, like put on Instagram what she went through last week, yeah, which is extremely tough. And I think, um, and metaphor for injuries more generally. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give a little background and then you can hop in. So oh, cool? I can, I can, I can just, I can just share it. Okay. Go yeah. for it. Well, essentially last week I had myocarditis and pericarditis in my heart, which is essentially like inflammation of the heart muscle and the heart lining. So it's kind of like a very long-term injury because the heart is obviously like the core of the body. So I can't exercise for three to six months, which is a really long period of time. And like the longest, usually when I'm injured, it's like, oh, well I can bike or I I can, you know, God forbid pool run or like do some of these other things. And it's really strange to have that diagnosis. And then also like heart pain just kind of like shakes you to your core because it's like the core element that makes us human. So it's, it's definitely been a challenge. And similarly, yeah. there's some theories for why this, you know, she has an autoimmune condition. So there's some yeah. theories for why this happened, but just like a tibial stress fracture, like a shin, like a metatarsal, like any of that stuff, you're not sure, right? Like you have some ideas and some adaptations, but who knows if it's going to happen again? And she, you know, you're going to have to step into the uncertainty, like with both yeah. feet. And that's hard. It's like one yeah. of those leaps we talked about. And so, you know, even after you've traversed this path for a really long time, it's always waiting right there. And so instead of seeing like, okay, this is something I can prevent always be like, I'm going to do what I can to put myself in the position that I'll have better outcomes. But even with that, that uncertainty, I have to make friends with. Because if I'm not friends with that uncertainty, I'm going to end up hating the process and probably burning out from it altogether. Yeah. Well, Megan, I mean, that's a long time. Like what, I guess, what are you going to do now? Like what's, what's your plan? Like mentally just to kind of, you know, get through that time period. Yeah. I had like a rage against the running machine moment on Saturday where I was <laughs> like, I hate running. I don't want to talk about running anymore. I'm done with this. So, she, we had, Good, we so had, come on uh, the podcast. We can our... talk all about running. <laughs> We're putting up our Christmas tree and uh, we have one running ornament that just says, keep running with a, with a woman runner. And Megan just grabbed it and threw it to the side. <laughs> <Fuck this. laughs> so that was like my first step. And actually like that rage against the running machine moment, we're back running and I are on good terms. Like I love talking about it. I love coaching all of that. I actually made a list of like all the things I can do that don't involve getting my heart rate up, like baking cookies. And like, I love like some artistic stuff. Our house. Tai Chi. Yeah. Tai Chi. Actually very slow Tai Chi. I'm going to become a Tai Chi wizard. Um, our house needs a lot of like fun little projects. So I'll do those, but it's definitely, I mean, 
I've been going through the full like anger, rage, disappointment, like all the different emotions and hoping to reach access acceptance coming up. But I think it will be a journey for sure. Yeah. And I think, I mean, obviously that situation is horrible and no one wants to be, no one wants to be forced to sit out when they don't want to. Um, but I also think like times of injury and stuff are so important to defining yourself. I mean, outside of running, like for me getting out of college and I mean, I just had to take time off from burnout and like fixing my hormones and everything. And I think that just kind of opened up my world to like realizing that the running world is pretty small. Um, there's, and there's just so much more to life outside of running and so much more purpose. And I think it just helps you define life's purpose outside of like numbers and like figuring things out. And I just feel like it is honestly important. It's obviously unfortunate, but I think it is important for every runner to deal with at some point, because it really just opens your eyes to the possibilities of the world and everything. But yeah, I mean, that, that sounds awful though. I'm sorry that you're going through that, but. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, I mean, it's so true. And I think the thing for me too, is, is like, we have such amazing, like friends, family, community members, even like running friends and athletes that I coach. And they've been incredible during this time. And so like, just leaning on that has been awesome. Like we have so many flowers downstairs that we're like putting them in like cookie jars and like (laughs) other devices to hold the flowers. And that just means a ton. But I think it also like reinforces the idea that like, I can be a part of the running community, even when I'm not running. And I think in the past, sometimes I've really struggled with that relationship. And this is like, and I think like, as I've gone through like more injury cycles, like really being able to identify as a runner, even when I'm not running is something that's been game changing too. Yeah. And it gets back to the unconditional love elements that Megan was talking about earlier. Like if you only loved me for my good traits, it would not be a good relationship, right? Like, because I'm a mess. Like I smell kind of weird sometimes (laughs) I can be annoying, but like, you know, that whole part of it goes into hopefully our love, you know? And I mean, I love everything like that about you. And the same goes for like, hopefully how running can fit into a life. It's like, yes, it's, it's super fun to be out there and feeling that effortless transcendence. But if that's the only reason you love running, then 95% of it won't be that. And then 5% of it will be the absolute opposite where you're like tied to the ground and you can't do things that you could do if you weren't a runner. Um, Kind of like what Megan's in right now. And it's like, look, you have to kind of learn to love that part too, you know, for every athlete that goes through the lowest lows, which is everyone. Um, or, you know, it becomes the same sort of conditional relationship that can be super unhealthy, no matter what it's about. So, um, running, I mean, it, it's not just cool because it's awesome. It's cool because it's the worst fucking thing on earth. Um, <laughs> and through that, that's why we get to experience life. And that's why it's a metaphor for life. If running was just running, it would be so much like weirder, you know, it wouldn't make any sense to someone that isn't in it. Um, but I think why running is so cool, why trail running is so cool, why tracks, all of it is because you get to live life, you know, in a much more condensed way. And what, what a cooler way to go through existence. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good note to end on. I mean, I, I just love your guys' perspective on the sport and everything. And like, Megan, you just said, I mean, even when you're not running, you can still be defined as a runner. I mean, that's literally me. I haven't stepped really on, I haven't raced competitively since 2018. And a lot of the time I'm on my platform. I'm like, I don't know why people still follow me. Cause I haven't even raced since 2018. Like, and I talk about that and my, my parents, they're like, Emma, if people really cared about like how fast that you were running, they wouldn't be following you anymore. And I was like, that is so true. And I mean, I still define myself as a runner, even though I'm just like running casually right now and who knows down the road and everything. But I think it's just as important to know that you have a place in the running community, even if you're not running at your best or you're injured or whatever, or you just hang up the spikes for good. Like you'll always be a runner. And like, that's always just something that will, you'll be identified as. And that's, something I'll be identified as, but I don't know. I just love your guys' perspective on everything. And I think, I really think that this episode was beneficial and I hope people got something out of it because it's, it's just so true. I feel like you just, you embrace what running is in a nutshell. And I just really love that. So thank you guys for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with the world. We're big followers of you. And so it's just like, it's so cool. Like the way that you bring like authenticity and vulnerability and just like open up and keep it fun and lighthearted is like so perfect for the running community. And Emma, you give a ton to the running community and just really, really happy about that. Yeah. And I can't speak for others, but I know I follow you because you're freaking awesome. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, last thing, like for anyone listening, just know that like wherever you're at right now, you are enough as you are. And um, there's so much amazingness ahead. 
um, just keep putting yourself out there and getting vulnerable. Awesome. Well, where can people follow you? You guys have an awesome podcast and everything. Where should they check it out? Yeah, we have a uh, podcast called Some Work I'll Play. It's a lot of like banter like this, where we just go back <laughs> and forth. We throw some F-bombs in there. We keep it real. It's fun. <laughs> David has a, a, actually you used to have a dog account and you don't anymore. So David, David had an account that was a dog account and people would tag him and be like coach Roach. And it was yeah, a dog. Um, yeah. It's like, <laughs> I won a national championship. Thanks to my coach, this dog. <laughs> but now he has a real Instagram account, mountain Roach. And I'm Meg runs happy, which right now is like Meg bakes happy or like Meg does any other activity other than running happy, but I'm still running happy. So we're good. Yeah. That, I think that's about it. So the, the podcast, some work all play um, is the main place. Awesome. Well, everything will be linked in the show notes. Go check it out. Uh, To close out the episode, can we get a good old peace out, fellas? Peace Peace out, out, fellas! fellas. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Comms Over Cold Brew with David and Megan. I truly hope you enjoyed it. I just absolutely love their outlook on running and what running is supposed to be in a person's life. I truly appreciate their outlook. I think it's just so refreshing, especially in the competitive running world where everything could just be based on numbers or just so intense. I think it's nice to just focus on enjoying it more so than anything else because at the core, running should be enjoyable. It's a painful sport, but it can be fulfilling and enjoyable as long as you're having fun doing it. So make sure to go give their podcast a listen, follow them on the socials, and yeah, don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcast if you enjoy this podcast. I would love to get to a thousand reviews here soon. That would be amazing. Also follow us on Instagram at combos over cold brew pod. If you want to be up to date and submit listener questions and yes, I will see you all next week. It's almost the end of 2021, which is cool and concerning. I can't really tell which one um, I'm feeling at the moment, but let's finish this year strong and I'll see you all next week. Peace out fellas. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.